0: Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex, and today I'm joined by Boyan Otzer. Boyan, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Boyan Otzer. Uh, I'm a full time, well, I was a full time travel traveler, uh, videographer, photographer, um, basically worldwide. Wherever my jobs are, I uh, I will uh, go there. Um, yeah, over the years, I uh, I. Um, Won uh, several awards from DJI, um, yeah, literally worldwide awards. Um, mainly uh, my Instagram is uh, uh, drone photos. I don't post anything else. Uh, but I'm actually I'm a videographer, so that's what I do for a job. And beside that, I I do drone photography and uh, all sorts of stuff with drones.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for taking time out of your day uh, to chat with us today. Um, as always, we've asked you to send over sort of three shots that are your favourites or have some kind of meaning. So, I mean, we've got three really quite unusual shots for in comparison to the others. So we'll start off with the one that's marked Australia. So do you want to talk us through why you've chosen that one?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, this is one of my, I think, one of my favourites that uh, I've shown in Australia. Um basically we went to Bali for uh, a couple months and then we had to, uh, do a visa run. So we were like, yeah, we can go, we can go to Singapore, we can go to Kuala Lumpur, but why not Australia? So we took a flight to Australia. Um, we did the two weeks, um, two weeks, Australia road trip it was way like way too much to see for two weeks, but we, we drove two weeks and, um, basically the, the last day, um, I knew there was like this this salt lake in the north, north of Perth, like about six hours drive. And we had quite quite a bad weather for Australia. So we were like, let's go there and just check it out. And then I didn't really spot it. Normally I spot my spots where to fly my drone, but I was like, you know, it's a salt lake, it's gonna be fine. So I flew my drone around, around, and there was this like I guess it's a, a salt factory kind of thing. And I saw this like swirl of like mixed colors. And so I, I made this photo. I didn't really realize that it's like one of my best pictures ever. Um, yeah, that's that's the story of how I showed it. It was pure luck. Um, I've seen people that flew there as well after me and before me. And they didn't have that like rich color of, like mixing I don't even know what it is because it's like purple and yellow um I mean pink is more like salt reddish so I don't know what it is but it was yeah like spot on the right timing so yeah
0: yeah I mean just looking at the shot I mean when you first sent it over I did think that the colors were maybe sort of photoshopped on because it doesn't look very natural for sort of being well it doesn't it doesn't look natural at all it looks very unusual but that's what makes such a great picture and obviously in this case it it really makes it stand out i mean just taking sort of a brief look at your instagram your whole feed is very very colorful and i guess that's one thing that you sort of stick with in your in your style and obviously this shot you saw it and and thought you know obviously fits perfectly with with your style
1: yeah yeah you can see my instagram that it's uh it's a lot of colorful photos um I mean, back in the days, like we're talking about, I don't know, 2017, 2018, I was more fixed on my feed and make it all like, you know, what everybody did and Moody and, and uh, everything had to like, you know, come together. And now I'm more like, you know, I make photos. That's it. If you don't like my feed, you don't follow me. But it's more, yeah, it's more like colorful, blue, uh, literally like color pop exploding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that's, you know, as I say, the the sort of dark and moody style is very, not overused, but it's very popular because obviously it looks great, and especially if you've got that consistency throughout your photos. But you know, you've managed to do that, but with sort of the the bright colours, and it really makes your profile stand out. You know, when you go to your profile by looking at your photos, you can tell they're all by the same person just because they've got that consistency with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't say it's 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 not cool to have moody photos. I mean, I got it as well, but you know, I got I got my own style, and that's you know, you can see that on my, on my feet. Yeah. So, sort of moving on to your second picture, again, sort of
0: sticking with the bright and colorful theme, and um, this one's of the castle. So, do you want to talk through this one?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think I've been there like four, five, six times now. Uh, it's, um, it's in Bavaria, south of Germany. Um, a lot of people know it. I think the first time that I've been there was like 2016, but they were doing renovations of the castle. So every year I came there, it was like a different part of the castle has been renovated. Uh, most likely on the on the front, they had like like this big how we call them sculvers I mean, it doesn't really affect the photo, but it was a bit annoying that every single year <laughs> it had those renovations. Um, I think uh, the the one that I sent you um that the guys can see again it's like uh normally when i go to places it's like one you know one time i'll be there and then the other day i drive literally four or five hours you know south or north i came here i had literally one sunset uh five minutes later five minutes before i didn't have this shot it was again the right timing um I kinda know I knew the 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 castle so I knew exactly where I had to go and fly and and that that helped a lot. But again it's like you know, the right timing makes the the perfect picture.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you've really managed to you know, the whole shot sort of from from right in the foreground all the way to the background is you know, it's it's not like there's any sort of blank space in there at all. You've obviously you managed to get the clouds right at the back and then you've got the the mountain line and then, you know, the hills and then the sort of more accented line where the, the sun's hitting the trees and then obviously the castle at the center point of that so it's a really interesting image but you've sort of managed to capture something in every part of the image Um and I really love it I mean the the castle looks like something straight out of a fairy tale Um and obviously with that backdrop as well it makes for an incredible shot.
1: Yeah it's funny that you say it's like a fairy tale because um this whole castle is built like I don't know like seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred, I don't know what year but um disney actually took this castle as their example of their disney castle so they built it uh from this castle so
0: oh that's interesting yeah i mean it as i say it sort of does it, it you know especially being in the middle of nowhere as well it really sort of gives that that disney <laughs> the disney vibe i guess where you've got You know, it's in the middle of nowhere and it's just completely surrounded by trees and obviously by the looks of it it doesn't seem to be any other sort of buildings other than that one slightly down to the right is it quite a remote area to get to
1: Uh, it looks like it but it's it's not really you can you can almost drive up there's a car park and uh, behind there is a little village and stuff like that it's it's literally the right framing to you know uh, look like middle of nowhere yeah but it's definitely a, a really nice spot and nice to go up and um to look around and hike around yeah definitely
0: sort of bringing on to your last photo then um obviously we talked about the dark and moody i guess this shot is probably the darkest and moodiest out of the three that you've sent over so do you want to talk through why you've sort of sent this one over
1: yeah this is again um the right timing uh it doesn't really look like it's it's a picture that needs to have the right timing but it is If you can, um, if you look closely, you see like puddles of water on the ground. Um, So I was, I was basically driving around with my friends, abstract area art. Um, We've done a lot together, Uh, but we were driving around the Netherlands and and Belgium for a day. And it was so rainy all day. Um, And we had this like gap of, I don't know, half an hour. We said, well, where we want to go? And I was like, oh, maybe I know a spot that is closed. So we went here and we had this like 10 minutes gap of no rain. So one of the guys took an umbrella and he run in this like metal maze. Nobody ever knew it really existed. Um, obviously, the people around there knew. But um, yeah, we made this picture and it came out so good because of the the water kind of like made the rust of the metal pops out and the, and the puddles on the ground and just literally everything came together. Um, again, I saw people that came, you know, us or whatever. It, it looks so much different when it's like, you know, right timing. Um, you would say rain will not really affect a good shot, but uh, I did in this done. Yeah. And obviously,
0: with the sort of colors, you got the gray gravel and then the reflection of the, the sky. So it's sort of got that black and white feel to it. But I think the yellow umbrella and especially the rust on all of the the top sort of really adds that extra dimension rather than it being sort of just a black and white shot it, you've got that orange in there as well which again sort of goes with your theme of having sort of the, the colors that really pop so although it is probably sort of more dark and moody than the others you've still got that you know that orange that really really comes through in the shot which is really nice yeah yeah i agree with that yeah um all of the shots that you've sent over they're all portrait shots so When you shoot, do you take uh, like multiple panoramas and and stitch them together?
1: Um, Well, we're talking about 2018. I don't think I did that back in the day. Uh, Actually, I had the Mavic Pro, so it had the portrait mode. Um, I really loved that mode for, you know, like social media stuff, even for videos. and, And I really miss that in this like new generations of drones. But now, yeah, I do like making several photos and stitch that together for. You know, Instagram or um, bigger pictures, or or even make like having a different angle. So if you make one picture and you crop it as portrait, it doesn't have that bigger angle. If you if you like stitch it together.
0: Yeah, definitely. You get a lot more perspective when you do the, the and you obviously you get sort of if you, if you've got the drone positioned at the right height, you can still get the ground in it as well as the horizon and the sky. So you end up sort of like a big sweep of a picture, which obviously. is is really nice as well. Um, You sort of briefly touched on the drone that you used to use, the Mavic Pro. So do you want to run us through what you use now and what you sort of take with you in your kit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, basically, um, the first ever drone that I had, it was like the Phantom One with the GoPro and it was hooked on. Um, I bought it together with my dad and my dad was like, yeah, sure, it's a drone. Um, But back then, it was like 2016, 2015, something like that. You know, I was not one of many with the drones. I was, you know, I was really happy with it and, and flew everywhere. And basically I was hooked on it. Then I became like an obsession. <laughs> I saved a lot of money and I uh, I bought the Inspire 1, Inspire 1 Pro. Uh, I mean, it's, everybody is like, you know, it's, it's a beast of the machine. Uh, everybody wants to work with you. And it came from there. And then... Um, kind of like went like smaller not like downhill but you know yeah this phantom 4 pro and then you had the mavic one um and then i think i sold everything and I, i i kept the mavic 2 pro because of the video and and the sensor size is so good um and because i always travel um the phantom and inspire drones are just way too big i mean if i if i need it i will rent it but just too big to to carry around yeah i mean you've definitely got the the biggest
0: collection of drones that i think anyone on the podcast has had so far even if it's just sort of with the history of drones i mean i don't know anyone that started out with the phantom one so how obviously going from the phantom one have have you noticed obviously there's a massive improvement between the the phantom one and the mavic 2 pro now but as you've sort of as you've gone from drone to drone have you noticed sort of any massive increases that you know, maybe one drone looking back is still probably as good now as as what's available now.
1: Yeah, I must say that uh, over the years, a lot of have changed. Most likely, like, how easy it is to fly and all this, like, automatic, you know, stuff to follow and, and, that, and that stuff. The only thing that I miss in these drones now, uh, I mean, the Phantom 4 Pro and the Inspire 2 series has it, but it's the attitude mode which is like you can switch off the GPS and it literally floats with the wind and it's it's way smoother. Um, the, the Phantom 4 Pro does a good job still on that, uh, but I really miss it on the new Mavic 2 Pro, the Mavic, you know, all these new Mavics. Uh, I can understand DJI took it out because, you know, switching off attitude mode will, you know, it will crash in anything if you don't fly it away or uh, be cautious with it. So I I understand that they take it out, but for like good drone video shots, you basically need attitude mode. Otherwise, it's like, I mean, it's it's smooth enough, but it it can be smoother.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's probably a feature that maybe aimed more towards the professional drones, such as the Inspire 2 and the Phantom 4 Pro. So, sort of having that on the Mavic series, which is maybe more a prosumer than like professional drone. you know, as you say, it sort of does put the drone at risk of crashing. Um, and I'm sure DJI wouldn't want loads of people coming to them going, oh, you know, this setting that you've put on the drone, it makes you crash it. So I think they're probably covering their backs in that sense. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's probably a nice thing. It'd be nice to have the option, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got this, um, I think this beginner mode in the in the Phantoms. I think they should have the the option to open attitude Mode, but like with big warnings, like, you know. If, it, if something happens, its own risk and all that stuff. But maybe in maybe in the future, I don't know. Yeah. So with the
0: Mavic 2 Pro, sort of how many batteries do you take? You know, what remote do you use? Um, do you take any filters with you? What kind of bag do you take it in any cases? Do you want to give a little bit more detail on that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, basically, I got three three batteries. Um, mostly I got my car charger with me. Uh, whenever I want to charge it, I, I can charge it. Basically, I got three batteries because I can store one in the in the drone itself, and two goes quite well together as a you know square thing that I can fill in my bag. Um, So basically, yeah, three batteries. Um, Last week I actually won a Mavic Mini, um, Mavic Mini Two. So quite excited to add that to the to the drone collection. Well, actually, I still have one drone, but. I was about to uh about to buy it myself because sometimes you just need something smaller or just for example, I went to a trip to Aruba i think now two months ago, and we went went on this like um cruise on a ship and I was like yeah i'm I'm not so sure to bring my you know Mavic two pro with all these accessories and in your bag and stuff like that I mean the Mavic mini two is way smaller you just can have a small bag and just bring it. Um, also, like flying from a boat is a bit risky. So I was like, you know, if you have a Mavic Mini 2, if you if you crash that, it's it's less than a Mavic 2 Pro. And so yeah, I got now basically it's it's coming I think tomorrow. So I got now two drones. Um, I got a back by um, Shimoda Design. They're more focused on. Um, um the the professionals so it's more um yeah how can I say it like bigger bodies bigger cameras um uh, I don't I don't use any DSLRs well I have a DSLR but I, I mainly use it for some photos sometimes but I got a, a cinema camera so a cinema camera is bigger uh more more stuff around it so I got quite a big of bag that I use um yeah. What else? I I got filters uh, by Polar Pro. Um, Ambassador since I think late 2016. One of the very first, uh, yeah, ambassadors. Other than that, I don't I don't use the smart controller. I use I have used it um, for a couple trips, but I find it just too big to carry around. Uh, it's nice to have the inbuilt screen and stuff like that, but it's just too bulky for me. Yeah.
0: So obviously you touched on the fact that you've sort of picked up the the Mavic Mini 2 obviously as a sort of more as a cheaper alternative and that kind of thing so obviously when things are able to open up again and you're able to start traveling a bit more for the photography side of things are you planning to take sort of both drones with you or is it going to sort of be you know just deciding on the day which one you take with you?
1: Yeah definitely uh, I always travel around with two drones because um, I fly for a job so most Mostly I go for a job or for a client or for whatever project. So if you crash a drone, you need you need a backup drone because, you know, you come... Uh, mostly I, I'm not there, especially for the drone content. But I mean, if you don't have the drone content, you're basically screwed. So having that Mavic Mini 2 as a backup drone, I think that's that's good to have. Um, so it will definitely be in my bag from now on.
0: And with regards to obviously again sort of when when travel's possible again do you take your cinema
1: camera with you or is that just a case of when you need it for work um i must say i've i've i kind of like a bit bored of the travel videos right now um i've done so many and it's just carrying around these cameras it's just you know especially cinema cameras just heavy all these batteries and accessories and filters that comes with it I'm, I'm kind of like done with this you know travel videos now uh if i go for a job yeah I, i'll bring it um i do i do work for tourism boards sometimes i do kind of like you know uh travel videos so yeah then i'll bring it but last the last trip i didn't even bring it dr- uh, bring a camera i just brought drone and that's it yeah so
0: where do you sort of see your if you're sort of Maybe not suffering with fatigue, I guess, of the travel stuff. But if maybe that's if you're sort of losing interest in that kind of thing, sort of where do you see your photography and that kind of thing going in the future?
1: It is hard to tell because um, I do a lot of in uh, a lot of work in hospitality, hotels, tourism, uh, events, and basically that's all you know shut down by COVID. Um, so it's hard to tell. I've I, I mean when it all started in 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 February March I was we everybody was thinking you know September is all done everybody can travel again I still I don't know like hopefully by by June but I don't know like we'll see uh, we we'll see about that and in terms of like what the future will bring for for work I think a lot of tourism will open up and they need content and hotels and stuff so I get I keep my fingers crossed but I don't know (laughs) it's a hard one yeah definitely um so obviously
0: we've sort of touched on on where you are sort of heading in the future now so if we sort of take a little step back do you want to talk us through how you first got into photography and how that ended up leading to sort of where you are now with regards to you know business side of things and that kind of thing
1: yeah um well I think around 2015, like the GoPro, I think it was like two or three came out. There was like, you know, this big hype about GoPros. I was a big fan of GoPros. Like everything I saw, I wanted to do like skiing, everything. Um, so it is kind of in the in the family that photography and my dad did the photography. And um, we did this job for a a B brand for GoPro. Um, so not for GoPro but for accessories so little straps and, and, and attachments and stuff basically what we did we basically um, did a uh, swap of goods so we did the job for photography uh, we could like choose whatever we wanted so we chose a drone and a GoPro because they were a web shop and they had everything so that that's where it started with a Phantom 1 and then and Hero 3 I think Uh, it was pain in the ass because everything is like what you see now in, in the FPV. is like all analog, Uh, literally nothing worked back in the days. You have to like fix everything for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, you got, I think we had like five, seven, five till seven minutes of flight time. So it's like getting a shot, come back, you know, yeah. Like four batteries, five batteries. But it was, it was fun and it got me hooked into drones. Um, so that's where I started. Um and then I think I I bought the yeah, i I bought the Inspire Pro and then from there I took off. Like I had this ambassadorship for uh Polo Pro. Uh had jobs coming up. Um I got recognized by DJI. Uh DJI has his own uh platform, SkyPixel, where I was really active on. Um I'm still really active on. I won several prizes, did jobs for DJI, and from there I went went like You know all directions and
0: cool so you sort of built yourself up over over time and obviously by sort of picking up you know being an early adopter of drones i guess you've sort of been able to jump ahead of the curve and sort of you know improve your skills over time um sort of being where you're at now with sort of commercial work the clients that you have now are they ones that have sort of got in contact with you over the years or how did you sort of first start to pick up commercial work sort of the the clients that you have now how did you sort of pick those up
1: yeah um what you say that that like it it, it came naturally a lot of what you see on instagram right now is like people want to you know i don't wanna say chase the dream job but basically want to be a content creator i mean back in the days there was not such a thing as content creators uh so it i mean i was posting stuff and i did a hashtags and i was like all oh, right I got 100 likes. This is, you know, this is decent. So it we went from there to like, you know, a lot of likes, a lot of likes, and and, and build up naturally. Um, where it started from getting getting jobs is um, basically having the drone as an early adapter, as you said. People were interesting to get stuff with a drone because nobody really had a drone back in the days. So back then it was really easy to get a job as well. So, um, for example, you had these like dance festivals, and I had some, you know, network around, and I was like, you know, can you can you head up this guy w- who was in charge of um, a manager managing of the the artist, and and via via I had this like. I think my very first job was even free. I was like, you know, I'm happy to come, just make the shots and, you know, see my work featured on this like big after movies. And then it picked up from there, you know, if you got the right network and and basically show what you can do. Um, I was more like, you know, I had fun doing it and, and making the best content I can. Not even like I wanna I wanna achieve Making money with my drone or have thousands of followers. So I started doing festivals and and the guys that did the after movies were like, you know, I got a drone, but I can't be can't be asked to fly the drone because I have to film these artists. So you know, they they hiring you and then from there I went from national to international. So um, people picked up what I've done and and I, I think the first very big thing was an international uh festival in malta maybe you know it lost the Founds. um that was my very first abroad job i think early 2017 and from there i was like yeah your name is out and it, it it rolls out and trying to get more out of it via your network and
0: yeah so sort of with FPV drones now becoming obviously more popular and I think that's probably the next kind of trend that a lot of people are sort of picking up on is that something that you've considered sort of going into
1: yeah um, well to be honest I'm, I'm not a big fan of FPV um, uh, and, and I'm more talking about the, the 10 minutes of pure FPV shorts and twisting around and I mean it makes it. it a couple shots are cool and super sick and what those guys are doing is you know you got Johnny FPV uh, I cannot even do 1% of what he does so big up to that but I think and what you see a lot now is that you, you, you see one or two shots in these big productions which are cool but I think full on FPV flying is not something for me I'm more of a you know video maker, cinematographer who wants to make a whole video and not only FPV. Uh, I must say I've tried uh, simulations. I've, I've done like hours in it. I can't fly it, but I don't know. It's more like I have to sit down and do it for myself and I'm not having fun. So then I was like, you know, should I go into this? It's, it's First off, it's a lot of money um, if you want to build it you basically, you know, spend 1500-2000 euros on a good kit. If you crash it, it's gone. You can start all over. I mean, you can repair it, but so it was not worth it for me in first this time and um I don't know. It's just I like it, but I just keep it for others. Yeah. And obviously
0: I suppose with you being known for your more sort of cinematic drone work and and the pictures that obviously we've talked about you sort of want to stay true to that and, and not sort of fall into FPV just because everybody else is doing it. You know, you're known for your cinematic work and if people like your cinematic work, then they'll come to you for that. They won't come to you asking for FPV because that's not what you're known for. Um, obviously, so we briefly touched on sort of your your Instagram and how you've sort of grown that. Obviously now with, you know, near 38,000 followers, how crucial has Instagram been to sort of getting you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, it's quite crucial in the beginning. Um, even though it was all natural and not really in my mind to build up this, you know, big, let say fan base kind of thing. Uh, but to get your name out and, and be recognized by brands or getting brand deals or ambassadorships, it's, it's quite crucial. Um, even though it's like, it's, it's really hard, you know, you have to, you have to have your own style. Um, you literally have to, you know, pop out and be you. Um, these days, it's 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 even harder because now you got. I mean, not everybody got a drone, but m- more people have a drone. So, you know, DJI. If if you type in hashtag DJI, you got like millions of posts. Back in the day, you had maybe I don't know a thousand, a couple of thousands. So. Uh, earlier it was way easier to get recognized and I, I got really lucky to get recognized by DJI and all these big brands in the early stage. And I mean, I still do stuff for sometimes to DJI or, you know, Polo pro actual paid jobs or, so yeah, it's, it's, um, if I will say like, give people a tip or, you know, how to grow their, grow their, instagram or get recognized it's basically making consistent style and be you and i mean it's not it's not bad to copy people or make the same photos but you have to uh you have to put something in from yourself to stand out from others so
0: yeah definitely so obviously for those who don't know, obviously you run Epic Pixel is your sort of company. So do you want to sort of run us through where that company came from and sort of why you set that up?
1: Yeah. Well, basically it started all even before the drones that, uh, you know, I, I went to uh, do a study and I did graphic design. I finished it. I went to uh, my first job. I did that for four years. Um, so I mainly did UI, UX, uh, app design, web design, all these, you know, graphic design, everything. Um, I kind of, I kind of went, you know, it went boring, you know, everything was the same every single day. Um, that's the period where it all started with, you know, everybody had the same thing. Templates became, you know, a big thing. Uh, it was all the same work over and over. And that was also the time that one of my very first international jobs were brought and i was like yeah this is what i want to do i don't want to sit in an you know office for 40 hours a week i want to go out and want to shoot and um so that that's where i started off like more video I bought uh diesel or was it mirrorless then so i started doing jobs and um i got picked up uh, i got some jobs um I mean over the time you got more work 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 so you have to give up your full-time job which is good um, so that's how it started and and from there you know you 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 make your own company and that back in the days it was it was called boyO design um, but it was mainly focused on design so I changed that to epic pixel so epic pixel is more like you know not a random but can be anything from photos to anything you know digital kind of thing so yeah
0: yeah so you sort of cover sort of all bases and obviously I just had a a quick look on your website earlier and obviously you've got prints for sale on there and and LUTs and and filters for sort of Lightroom and that kind of thing so how did you feel that that was sort of the the right way to go did you have sort of people asking how you got your style and you sort of thought that sort of going for filters and LUTs would be a a good step forwards
1: yeah yeah um I think my very first presets I I launched them in two thousand. Nineteen I mean everybody wanted presets, uh so I cannot you know go out there and uh, not having presets, so I made presets myself um and I think two thousand i know I think it was even earlier, like two thousand eighteen, then I did a version two, which were really popular as well, and then you know more people went into video um. Yeah, and and, and lots are really hard to to make as well. Um, a lot of people struggling with uh, color grading and and that type of stuff. So what I wanted to do is basically make presets, but not like you know you have two presets and that's it. So I made these like big bundle preset. So I got 25 lots which covering basically basically everything from like more water kind of scenario to like greens to basically everything uh yeah I must say they they sell i mean a good amount and uh people are really happy about it so yeah it was just a natural feeling of like again i don't i don't wanna be um it's not like the the more entrepreneur inside of me was like I need to make money you know i i want but it's more like you know I got this skill kind of thing that I can make something for others and I'll make it. There's a there, There's not a need, but people what love it, so I just made it.
0: Yeah, and obviously, I, I just before uh, we came on, I had a quick look at your website, and on there, it's it's evident you come from from a sort of graphic design background, because the way that your LUTs are set out in sort of giving the A B comparison between the pictures, I think, makes people realise what's achievable. Um, and I think with a lot of luts and filters and and those kind of things, that sort of seeing what's possible with shots and the AB versions, and you could literally slide over the top. I think that helps to give them an an idea of of what they can achieve with it, and obviously then makes, you know, it it they then realise that their shots can probably stand out as much as you. So I think that was sort of a, a really good way forwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, they saw a lot. People are happy with it. They they've been using it for literally commercial um, productions and like high end stuff. So, I mean, it's an achievement to uh, put something out that people use on a daily basis. I mean, I don't, I won't, I won't sell anything that I don't use. I I literally use my lots every single day. So, good pack to have. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um. So, sort of just finishing up. Then, is there any tips that you could offer for people that sort of are just starting out with drones or just starting out with cinematography and, and want to get their foot in the door? I know we've sort of covered a, a few as we've gone along, but is there sort of any closing things that you could think of that sort of people, you you wish people had told you when you started out?
1: Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is networking. Uh, and even though it's not like... Close network it's also like uh messaging people and 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 having interest in others uh for example my very first international job in malta was because of this guy that was interested in my uh, instagram page so we keep talking to keep talking and I, i mean over the years you got people getting back to you saying oh or getting back to you like oh i remember you like i need this guy for whatever for example, I shot a uh, MTV after movie in 2019 and the guy that basically hooked me up, um, I knew him from Instagram for like two years and he basically DM me saying like, I might have a job for you. Can you just, you know, keep get in contact with these guys? From, you know, from a DM to like getting involved in an MTV production, you know, it, you never know what it ends up. I don't say like you have to be you have to be super proactive with everybody and be like, oh, I love you, I love your stuff and 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 stuff like that. But um, it's all about networking and and you know, if if I need somebody somewhere in the world or I see that somebody is looking for somebody, I'm like, oh, I, I know this guy in uh, I don't know Indonesia that can do this. I'll just hook him up. You know, um, it's not always about yourself as well, but you know, taking care of other people as well.
0: Yeah, and I suppose obviously with the sort of photography industry and and that kind of thing, everybody's like minded and everybody's open to sort of, you know, being in contact with others. And a lot of the guys that I've spoken to over the course of doing the podcast, they sort of, it sort of seems to be a common thing where people will go out on like photography meetups and will go and and shoot the same location or go on trips with sort of three, four, five people. So. I think that can really help your creativity as well. And obviously that's all part of the networking and, you know, by building friends sort of over social media and that's what Instagram, you know, is, is meant for at the end of the day. And it's becoming more and more a thing of sort of everyday use as well as business use. So sort of building networking over Instagram and other social networks is probably very crucial to, as you say, sort of building up your sort of online presence and, and your professional presence as well.
1: Yeah, definitely and um what you can see in this like creative part of like you know photographers videographers is that a lot of people think you are enemies together i mean i got I got people doing the same job, but they have different clients so they they're not my enemies they are my friends that I can use and utilize for anything else i mean network and stuff like that and if they for example, if they are sick or on a holiday, they call me for like, you know, we need you because we can't do it. And I think that's a big thing in, in Instagram as well, like having online connections. I mean, back in the day, I went out with people that I n- never met. I went to Iceland with, uh, you might know them, Aerial Art. Back in the days, they we both had like 10,000 followers and... I never met these guys. I never even Facetime these guys. we were just messaging. We we're like, let's go to Iceland. We booked the flight. Never met these guys. We walked up in a parking lot, and you know, we're still best friends together. And and you know, you you have to. It's a bit risky now sometimes with you know catfish kind of type stuff, but um, sometimes you just have to do it, and you meet awesome people.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your day uh, to chat with us today. Do you want to just run through how people can find you on Instagram and your website as well?
1: Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, you can find me on my Instagram. That is boyano, Uh My website is www.epicpixel.nl. Yeah, and from there, you can find anything like portfolio, lots, presets.
0: Cool. As I say... Thank you very much for for being with us today. Um, It's been really great chatting and obviously hearing sort of the background of of how you've managed to sort of get where you are now. Um, I hope sort of travel can pick up a bit more and that you're able to sort of get back working. Um, uh, But yeah, all the best for the future. Yeah, thank you. Cool, thank you very
1: much.